Alrighty, ladies and gents, Port fam, Creedcast fam, listeners, thank you for joining me as always. It's fucking showdown time. We're under 24 hours away from the first bounce. Fucking keen to get after these motherfucking cunts from across the city. I fucking hate this team. Let's get into it. Let's get fired up and get into a preview. Let's fucking go. fucking showdown week oh it's a time of year that i both dread and love all at once i have a weird relationship with showdowns just because i uh um they 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 ruin me when they go the wrong way because you know it's 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 part of anyone that's been in part of any major rivalry as a fan um especially when you're right living in amongst it um you you know you can't get away from a loss and you can't you you don't want to get away from a win (laughs) you know you're you don't want to see anyone when you lose, and you want to see every single motherfucker that goes to the other side when you win. Um, so it's just one of those weekends that just fills me with this weird anxiety because I love it and hate it all at once. Hate being at the games, love being at the games. Hate being at a pub to watch them, love being at a pub to watch them. All that stuff. It's just, it is the weirdest of, it is the weirdest of times twice a year. Um, well, unless there's a final, and you know, yeah, that's right, twice a year um, in normal times. But um, yeah, it's all about knowing your enemy this week. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, know your enemy there. Um, and there's something I want to see a little bit more of is treating them as a true enemy again. You know, like, I mean, I know we do. I know we do as fans and I know we do as a club and there's a fair bit of friction between the two, the two clubs and I really want to see that. Um, I want to see that more. I want to see... This rivalry is deep-seated. It is... Um, People always talk about what are the best rivalries in in the AFL, um, and sometimes the other. I think other states and other when you're not within this rivalry, you don't realise that it is more than just about the two teams that are in the city. That's a it's it's deep seated. It goes back decades. It's, it's the it's the hatred of all other teams in the in the SNFL, um, hating Port Adelaide that are spilling over into the AFL because the very reason the um, Adelaide Crows exist is because of our um, Attempted entrance and rightful, rightfully so, um, as it would have been if we'd gotten that license in 1990. Um, our entrance to the AFL, which caused this bitter backlash against it from all the other teams, the bitterness and the hatred spilling out into the courtrooms where they got an injunction, and then the Crows were born to satisfy the AFL's need to have a club from the, the South Australia. It was all because of that. Um, we literally, the crows do not exist without us. So you'll fucking welcome your soulless cunts. Um, so that's it's all that stuff. It's all that stuff. It is so deep seated, and and it and it bubbles along under the surface. And then we, a couple of times a year, we get a chance to to get one over on them um, and show them that uh, regardless of all the things that had happened in the past, that we still got into the AFL. We're still having a fight to be able to um, truly recognise our heritage because of um, the powers that be in the AFL, as well as dickheads in this own our own state. You know, dickheads like Graham Collins writing stupid articles about their reasons for for being allowed, um, not being allowed to wear the prison bars, and you know, the the, the trying to di- disband us from our history in the SNFL, even though we're the same club, and all the rewritings of history and the alternate facts and the fake news and all that stuff. 
It continues to this very day that is constantly... That's why the showdown means so much and the prison bars mean so much too. And again, it's not going to be happening this showdown. Um, but hopefully will at some point soon. Um, but, you know, the constant, um, you know, belittling of our history and, and disparaging of our history and, and the, tri- the, the f- stupid attempts by the opposition fans to, um, you know, separate us from our own history and, and, and shit on that history. And that's why these games mean so much. It's because we are fighting for our, our right to recognise our own history every time we, we, we lace up the boots and go out and play against these corporate fuckwits. So, know your enemy. Know them, know them well. Know that they're a bunch of fuckwits that will try to try to steal away your identity and and everything about you at every turn. Um, you know, as you know, they're 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 a horrible club. So um, that's why I chose that song. I want I want it to be a reminder that we need to know our enemy and truly know the the black soul of the Adelaide Football Club and why these games mean so much to us. They mean more to us than they'll ever mean to them, and they might think they they might think that it means something to them, but it'll always mean more to us because we're actually f- we're fighting and um with 152 years, almost 152 years of history behind us, and soul and history and culture and a culture of place, a place of a place of being that is the Port Adelaide area, and a, and a place that actually means something to us, a place that is in our heart and soul about where we're from, the the waters of the Port River and the the streets, commercial road, the pubs, the the wool stores, the 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 cobbled streets, everything about Port Adelaide, and and then going down Port Road and down to the, the suburbs and the houses of Alberton, the little streets and Alberton Oval, hallowed turf for 140 years. This is all. This all comes into this. It's that versus a club that was born in a courtroom out of hatred, and 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 hubris just sickening hubris that made them believe that they deserved to deny our right to enter the AFL just because they didn't like us, because we were so successful and they were so bitter about it. All these things come into this. That's why we need to know our enemy. Know our enemy. They're all their elites. They're hip- hypocrites. They just conform and compromise and suckle at the teat of whatever whatever satisfies the head honchos and the people in the suits. And yes, we as members of the AFL, there is certain um, hypocrisy innate in that, is that we have to, we've had to do things to get into the AFL, such as, you know, all the compromises we made just to enter. But then that's why we fight for our culture and heritage now, because we're in there now, and now we get to fight back against it, because they're not going to kick us out. So we can just kick up a storm. They're not going to kick us out now that we're in. So we kick up a storm. We fight for the prison bars. We fight for the right to recognise our heritage and our history and our culture and what makes Port Adelaide great. Why they wanted us in the AFL was all of those things. Port Adelaide doesn't enter the AFL if we don't have all that behind us. So it's hypocritical of the AFL to deny all that stuff while also wanting us. Wanting us. Wanting the fans. Wanting the history. They want. That's why they wanted us. It was an inbuilt history, a rich history with fans that loved it and were diehards. That's why they wanted us. And that's why the rivalry, even if Adelaide Crows fans don't want to admit it, that's why it means so much is because they know they're playing the Port Adelaide of old. They know they're playing the Port Adelaide of 150 years of history. Every time they run out into that field, they're getting that chance. So that's what it's all about, knowing our enemy, knowing who they are. That is just a soulless bunch of fuckwits from West Lakes without a home, looking for a home. Could be, Could it be Brompton? Probably not. 
talking about the brewery at one point. Um, Thebison, most likely, but they don't they don't have a fucking home. The home, only home, the true home they've had was a fucking courtroom where the documents were signed. They could have a fucking club. That was where their heart and soul is, is in the fucking courtroom and written on a little piece of paper and documents. It's not in the hallowed turf of Alberton Oval and the blood, sweat and tears of the dockmen and the wharfies working in the swamps back in the 1840s and 50s, the port and misery, all that stuff, all the way through to the Port River and, and, and all the way through to the modern times. That's history. That's culture. That's Port Adelaide. So let's get let's do one over on these motherfuckers. Um, know our enemy. Know that they know who they are and know who we are and why we're so proud of that history and why we have such a rich culture and identity and know it. Um, so let's get into a preview and actually talk about footy after I I wax lyrical for a few minutes there. Alrighty. So the showdown this week comes off of in, at interesting times for both of our. Respective clubs. Um, I'll talk just a bit generally here before I get into the the this way the teams are lining up. But yeah, we're both 0-2 going to the showdown. Um, it's a um, not a position. Oh, the Crows probably expected to be in that position because they're, they're they're fucking shit house. Um, but we are surprisingly shit house at the moment. It's yeah, we can't we can't hide <laughs> shy away from it. We're on the bottom of the ladder, and um, you know the the ball don't lie. Um, that's where we're at. Um, we know we can be better, but um, it's also remains to be seen how we get there because the inju- injuries are biting. But it's, that's still no excuse for the the poor performance on the field of last week. Um, you know, the Brisbane game gave us some hope that, that we, despite the loss, that there was some sense of an honourable loss in it. But there was no honour in last week. It was um, pathetic and insipid and embarrassing. And thus, this week it presents an opportunity. Um, to try and bounce back. Now, uh, some of the media line has been that the showdown's coming at a perfect time. Um, you shouldn't ever... A showdown is always at a perfect time because it is a chance to, just as I was um, rambling on in the first 10 minutes, it is a chance to stand up for a history against the other club in the state and a rivalry match is always at a perfect time and always at the worst time and all that stuff. Um, so... It, it shouldn't need to present an opportunity in the way that they're presenting it um, and talking about it as a bounce-back chance, but that's what it is at the moment, unfortunately, and fortunately all at once. Um, it is, if you are going to look at it that way, which you can, it does present the perfect opportunity to um, show us, the members and the supporters and the fans, um, wherever you may be in the world, um, that there is something, there is fight in this club because there's no better chance than to show just exactly what metal and what uh, cojones um, remain within our lads uh, than this game this week, this weekend, uh, Friday night actually, not even the weekend, before the weekend. Um, God, at least the misery's done with. If it's if it's the worst comes to worst, at least it's done by the end of Friday night and you can just fucking get into the beers. But hopefully they're celebratory beers and I do expect them to be so, even if I have um, the usual pre-showdown anxiety ripping through my body right now and tearing me apart. That's just me, though. That's my own mental disease, um, and I'm sure plenty of you understand it as well. Um, but yeah, it does present that opportunity um, to see what um, is within our lads as far as fight after last week. Um, that the onus is on them to to pr- pr- prove what they're trying to say this week that 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 result stung and there was hard reviews done um, after the match. You know, they're saying it's one of the hardest reviews that they've had, harshest reviews they've had and the, and it's stung and they want to, they want to show that they're better than that. And Ken Inkley saying this is, um, you know, it's a, it's a moment to, he's doing his thing. He's, he, you know, last week it was, we do it for us and now it's, we'll show that we, 
better than what we did last week. Until you prove it, I'm not going to fucking believe it, but I'm happy if you can prove it this week and start proving it this week with a big win. Um, I have been reading, because um, that's something I do. Um, I don't know why I, started, I just blanked for a second. Um, but I've been I've started reading um, Blood in the Garden, which is uh, the flagrant history of the 90s Knicks uh, by Chris Herring. Um, a relatively new book released about the 90s era of the New York Knicks. Um, so I've only just started reading it, but some of the first early stuff in the book is really much gets into the ethos of what uh, Pat Riley decided to build at the New York Knicks when he arrived there in 1991. Um, arriving there and having come from the Showtime Lakers, um, where he, he ran a very um, flamboyant and um, open, fast offense um, and, and a style of basketball that was... Not what he brought to the Knicks, but um, he being a good coach and someone who knew what he was coming into as far with not having a Magic Johnson-style guy to run the offense. It was more a team that its core was Patrick Ewing and um, and a pretty uncompromising, hard kind of team. You know, slower, but they could play basketball and um, and there was a chance to build a team in a different style and with the bad boy Pistons um, in their very, very recent memory at the time, a two-time champion Pistons with likes of Bill Lambeer and um, Isaiah Thomas uh, being absolutely hated. Um, there's a good documentary about the bad boy Pistons on um, the, one of the 30 for 30s is about the, that Pistons era and uh, certainly anyone that knows the history of Michael Jordan and the Dream Team and, and Isaiah Thomas and <laughs> knows that there's no love lost there. Um, and so the, the the history of the Pistons was very much as a team that um, battled and bruised and and w- wasn't afraid to throw an elbow in at the post or anything like that and um, and draw blood. It was a sense of it, it wasn't just a style of play. It was a sense of pride. Like they wanted they wanted to draw blood. They wanted to hurt you. It wasn't just like this is the way we're going to play. And if that happens, it's like this is the way we're going to play because we want that to happen. We want you to feel every game that you play against this Pistons team. Pat Riley saw that as a as a model to build the Knicks around. Um, and it wasn't just in the sense of the style of play and, you know, being rough and uncompromising. He also had, like, you know, it was, it was the, the idea behind it was to hopefully win championships. And they got to a couple of finals, um, battled with the Knicks, uh, battled with the Bulls. Just unfortunately, their, their best time came right at the time when Jordan decided to be the... Um, to cement his place as the GOAT. But... Um, there was an ethos behind it, which was uh, also have the stamina to be able to run out games, um, as well as um, be uncompromising in your play and battle and battle for every ball and and make the other team make sure they know they've played the New York Knicks. But it was also, um, I loved the anecdote he had about, um, there's an anecdote in there about how Pat Riley would even, um, there was fines, team fines for players if they helped up an opposition player off the floor. I fucking love that, and I want to. I think we need that kind of style in Port Adelaide and Adelaide, and as well as Port Adelaide, just for any playing any team. I think we just need to get. You know, I talked about in my review of the Hawks' loss, and so anyone that listened to that, thank you uh, for going through that with me. Um, that the extra five percent that we need, and I went into some basketball stuff there as well. I'm just reading a lot of NBA stuff at the moment. Um, um, but the style of. Uh, style um the the stuff about being uncompromising um i just think oh yeah no the review i said that we i feel like you know i was saying hinkley's a good coach he's got the 95 he's got us 95 percent of the way but extra five percent to become an elite championship level team 
is the hardest stuff and I just haven't seen the evidence from Hinckley that he can do that yet, obviously, and I'm willing to be proven wrong, but that's just where I'm at at the moment. I'm out on him until he proves me wrong. Um, but the thing that I would love to see as part of the finding that extra 5% is just be a little bit more uncompromising. You know, the, as much as you hated it, and, you know, some of the dirty stuff that the likes of Richmond and, and Hawthorne have done in the past um, is not the what, like, you know, when Revolt, you know, punched Jonas in the nuts and stuff like that is is just dirty low dog stuff. And I'm not, not talking about that stuff, but just get more uncompromising and cold and dirt and cold um, towards the opposition. You know, treat them with disrespect. Um, you know, just treat them like, you know, you you have a disdain for the fact that they're on the same park as you, that kind of stuff. I want to just see, because Hawthorne and Richmond in their, you know, Hawthorne, the, the unsociable hawk stuff, as much as it sucked, and like when Sam Mitchell, I mean, it's a, it a bit of a flog act when he was doing the, you know, uh, injection um, mocking towards the Essendon players after in the in the wake of all that stuff. But is that kind of, that kind of edge to the team and the players was what actually made them just absolutely domineering for a period of time because they they believed in their own betterness than everyone else and I just don't think we have that in us and I think part of what gets you to that point is being a little bit more uncompromising and having an edge about your attitude that is that the everyone else is below you when you start treating other teams as genuine, like you start, you walk out and go, oh no, they're a great side, they're they're equals to us and all that stuff. It's just like, well, you're also, then you're, you're subconsciously creating this idea that you may not be any better than them. Um, and, you know, maybe we're not. But to, when you're that close to being an elite level team, I think you just need to try and get some edge about you and have a bit of that about you. You know, it's like Michael Jordan would make up, what was it, I was watching, I've rewatched The Last Dance recently as well. And there's that story about how you made up a story about a fucking, who was it? Fuck. Was it a jazz rookie player? I can't remember. He made up a story about someone like saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, why'd you quit? Or I can't remember. There's a story that he, he, he made up this story that he told the press that like, that it would make him go after a player. Um, I know it was the guy that put his arm around Jordan and said, nice game, Mike, like after he beat him. And I think Jordan went out and then got like thirty, like the guy had thirty-seven points in a game, and Mike Jordan went out the next game and got thirty-six points and a half. Um, and then they asked him about it after. I might be conflating the story, so if someone knows that I'm, I think people know what I'm talking about though. Um, and there was a story going around that he, you know, he was kind of like nice game, Mike, whatever, in a kind of condescending way. And then again, Michael Jordan kind of went with it, and then afterwards it came out that it just was he made it. He just made up this stuff to to give himself an edge over his opposition and we don't even need to make stuff up about that the crows we just can just say they're a bunch of fuckwits with no soul and um, energy but in their club in a real way like we have no culture and identity um, and then we can do that with other clubs you know it's just it's just about finding a way to have an edge an edge about you that creates an aura within your playing group and whether it's earned or not and and you do need to earn it with you know the, the Hawks and stuff won premierships and then got even more about it because they had that behind them but to get there they still had an extra edge that I just don't see us having at the moment and I want to see us with it so I'd love to see it like a it would be awesome if you had someone come into the port room and just say you know you're all getting fucking beer fines at least if you help up a player off the field like just get fucking just get uncompromising and get hard 
likely a Port Adelaide side that evolved a bit more, obviously within the confines of the modern game, but there's still a way to have an edge about you. So I'd love to see that come into it. I'd love to see that start a little bit in this showdown. I'd love to see a little bit of, little bit of um, you know, whatever biff can be allowed in the modern game. You just need to see a bit of it coming out because that's what can turn a season around as well, is if you just start being a group and a tight-knit group, um, us against them, all that stuff is what is kind of needed at the moment, I think. And I'd love to see that beginning in this showdown. But anyway, uh, we've been going rattled on for 20 minutes without actually talking much too much about the game at hand. So let's get into it. We'll talk about the uh, Crows and how they're going to be lining up first. Righty, so the Adelaide Cures, um, they're lining up with... So they've got a couple of changes. Um, Lockie Murphy's coming in. Um, Billy Frampton, export boy. Um, so there's a good ch- good chance right there just to just to not help him off off the deck if he comes in. But um, and Rory Laird is back as well after I think he broke his hand. Was that in the game again? That was in the preseason game against us, I think. Um, so he's he's back. So uh, maybe just give a little bit of the old uh, Chad Corns to Jonathan Brown in the 2004 Grand Final uh, test of that hand for Rory. Uh, make sure it's you just got to make sure he's he's ready to play. If he's if you give him tackle him and give him a good whack in the hand and he winces a little bit, then well, he's probably not ready and they should sub him out pretty quickly. So make sure you test him, make make him earn it, make him earn it. Um, but um, and Nick Murray, Luke Pedler, and um, Jake Saligo have been admitted. I think they're in the um, mix for uh, the emergency. So I think Pedler, Saligo, Murray, and Jackson Hatley are uh, one of them will be the medical substitute. So look out. Who the fuck cares? Bunch of fucking scrubs. Um, out for the game, obviously, Pedler, Murray, and Saligo are out. Um, but the big out for them is um, Rory Sloan, um, an abductor injury picked up in the loss to Collingwood. Last week, so um, Brody Smith will be captain in the side in his stead. Um, so, so, you know, Rory Sloan's one of the f- few players in that team that are um, somewhat tolerable. Um, so, um, no one's tolerable when they're wearing that fucking Guernsey. But anyway, um, a side that, uh, yeah, otherwise, um, probably one that, a name that uh, we know well enough as well. Riley Philthorpe is still down in the sandfall, the SNFL. Um, so he won't be playing. But um, otherwise, it's a, it's a similar side to what we've been seeing. Um, you know, look good for a, a quarter against the Doggers and otherwise look pretty terrible. But I'm not going to shit talk on that stuff too much because I think showdowns is... Form is a part of it, but they, it does go out the window a little bit as well. And, and certainly because we are in terrible form too, we can't... Um, there's certainly, there's no overlooking a showdown ever for me. And I think this one would be this one is um, shaping up to be one of the bigger... Because, um, you know, a loss here and the season starts looking like real, real long and a long way back to even getting into finals contention if you go on three, especially um, coming off a showdown loss. So we need to treat this game and every player on that list with the utmost respect as far as what they can possibly achieve against us, but with a little bit of the disdain that I was talking about before. You know, be uncompromising. Believe that you're better than them and um, and get the job done. But uh, not too many worries about, you know, I think we, our back line needs to, it's going to be interesting to see how our back line goes against their foot. So I will talk about a team in a bit. Though. Let's just talk about the Crows though. But, um, you know, our forward line has been pretty dysfunctional, so the likes of Dude and, and Jordan Butts and Co., um, you know, Brody Smith coming out of halfback. It's going to be an interesting battle back there for um, against that back line. I don't think there's no, you know, there's no stellar period, no stellar spot in the field anywhere for the Crows, really. I'm not that worried about anyone. 
Um, I certainly don't worry too much about their midfield. Um, and, you know, the, probably the big one that I, I worry about really is um, their number eight, like not trying to buy into the hype, but he, he looked... Uh, I watched a fair bit of that for that game, particularly when they made their comeback against Rion. Richelli just looks um, composed um, for his age, and he's, he just looks ready for the AFL, and and certainly will be relishing the opportunity to um, um, have a crack at a showdown for the first time. Um, James Rowe as well, that little annoying little fuck, um, will probably um, he's gonna he's probably. His dick out of an old man will probably be just rattling, riling him up before the game. So, um, th- th- their best player for me is um, a player that actually his game is reluctantly um, really um, good to watch is um, Ben Keys. He'll be um, Ben Keys, and then Matt Crouch finding a bit of form like he's got a couple of weeks under his belt that he hasn't had for a long time. So, look, they do have, um, you know, when you look, and Riley O'Brien. That'll be an interesting battle with um, Lysett in the ruck too, with Lysett having been so handily beaten the last couple of weeks. I don't, just don't think Lysett's right physically, which is a worry that we keep playing him. And, and we've um, just... just Something's not going right there, the, the domination that we've been handed in the hit-out department. But so uh, Riley O'Brien, I think, will give us a long day in the ruck. But the last couple of weeks, we've um, you know cleaned up in the clearances regardless of the, uh, the, the deficiency in the hit-outs. So... But Ben Keys and Matt Crouch certainly provide a little bit of, you know, I said before, I'm not too worried about the midfield, but they do have a bit of class in there. And um, Ben Keys has certainly come on in leaps and bounds the last couple of years. And uh, and Matt Crouch has got a couple of weeks under his belt after a pretty injury ravage last season and, and, um, and looks to be getting a bit of the time together again. And, of course, Rory Laird being back. Um, like I said, test out the hand and see how he's going. Um and Jordan Dawson, obviously, um, there was a quick moment where it was like, maybe he'll go to port, but I don't know, that was never really a chance for me. So his first chance at a showdown as well. Um, he certainly looked all right. Um, you know, he's fit, he slotted in pretty well at the Crows there so far, but without having a massive, massive impact yet, just with um, they just haven't been playing that good a footy. But, um, uh, you know, Paul Seedsman still being out for them as well, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's another one that's a, that's a big miss for them as well because he's been so good for them over the past couple of years. Um, so, you know, I see often has a, he's had some pretty decent games against us. And um, so I, I think, you know, missing Seedsman um, and obviously Rory Laird out now too. Rory Laird, Rory Sloan, um, Tex Walker still out for being a fucking racist dickhead. Um, there's, there's some of those big hitters that are missing that um, they're going to be relying uh, even more on some of these youngsters um, like Chase Jones, who um, still hasn't really shown the the level of play that they want out of him and the likes of Fogg and Himmelberger still got a lot to prove. Um, but they've got a lot of guys that are looking to prove um, prove something as well. So a showdown's a pretty good chance for them as well. They're coming off a couple of pretty disappointing losses as well. So to be completely objective about it before I get subjective again and call them a pack of fuckwits, um, they are in a similar position to us in the sense of that they're... they're um, Look, they're in a rebuild in the sense, so they, you know, no one's expecting too much out of them, but the fans are still expecting a little bit more. Um, they want to see signs of progress, and there's there's unrest there in that sense as well. So, while we look at our unrest in a different light because we're meant to be much better than where we are, there is a similar expectation on the Crows to be showing a lot more than what they have been showing so far. Um, and a showdown for them is the perfect opportunity to try and get a surprise win to kick off their season and get. Um, start seeing a bit more from this side. So, you know, objectively, there's a lot to play for for them too, and we, we um, to overlook them would be incredibly naive, even if they are um, a pretty um, inexperienced side, missing a couple of um, key hitters for them. So, look, 
Um, I'm not totally. I'm not saying I'm sitting there looking at that side and shaking my boots, but there's certainly enough there to that we we need to be on our game and. We'll get into the Port Boys now and see where we're at, but we're certainly um, we're not <laughs> we're not um, exactly a fit side ourselves. So there's questions. All right, so the Port team has uh, rung in a few changes, and it's um, it's controversial. <laughs> there is a bit of controversy getting around on the socials. So um, Sam Mays is in, and Jed McIntyre is in, which is the two deserving ins. Um, Sam Mays certainly was a, a reliable sub and player when he called upon last year and Jed McEntee, um as a mid-season draftee last year has shown some good signs in the early practice matches as well as um, you know in the warm-up matches in the Sandful level as well and um, deserves their shot but of course that means there is players going out Josh Sin after his debut is out as Xavier Dersmer is a big one and going out which I just think I don't think he was that right last week after the knock the early week I think he started the game against Brisbane all right and then that knock really um, and he's whether he just needs a bit of time, um, it's officially an omission. I think it's not like injury; like he's going to be ready. I think he could play Sandful um, if he doesn't play. Uh, obviously, the sh- the SNFL showdown is playing as a curtain raiser for the game tomorrow night, um, which is disappointing that it's at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. But no, that's you know for anyone that's lucky enough to get down there that early, good on you. Um, but yeah, so Dersma's out as well, which is a big. Um, and you know the, the young youngins are coming under a bit of fire um, for the lack of impact, I guess. You know Zach Butters aside, you know Rosie um, definitely needs to show a bit more, and Dersma's just even less so um, as impact is obviously um, is out. He could be the medical sub, but I just don't think he will be. I just don't. I think the idea of dropping Dersma is probably to get him a bit of time at, a, at the lower level, maybe just get a little bit of um, confidence back in him. And and then the other big one out is Jeremy Finlayson. So, he will likely play at the SNFL level as well, um, which I think is a bit of rough, uh, rough drop for myself. Um, out of Finlayson and Marshall, who's still in, which Marshall, being a people are losing their mind about Marshall being in. I understand it. I'm trying to just going to find the middle ground a little bit here. Stay with me here. I'm not saying I don't agree with you. He could have possibly been dropped, but you can only drop one of Finlayson and Marshall, and I guess because. Finlayson hasn't been in the system as long. They're probably going with a reliable player that at least knows what we're doing down forward, which makes one person at least, I guess, because no one else does know what we're doing down there. Um, I'm just being um, facetious. But um, I would have kept Finlayson in myself and dropped Marshall maybe, but um, or I wouldn't have dropped either of them because we are um, sorely, sorely depleted up forward already with the news that Dixon is going to be out for a while longer. Uh, but maybe we're going to go a little bit smaller up forward as well um, with, um, you know, Mays and McEntee coming in and, um, you know, Finlayson out and Marshall. So Marshall and Georgiades up forward and then get a little bit smaller up forward otherwise. Um, so, look, it's it's an interesting forward line to look at now because uh, Sam Mays has been named up forward alongside Pal Pepper, Rosie, Georgiades and, and Butters. Um, I like Mays in the way I think Mays... He's such an experienced head, and I think he'll bring, um, and certainly for a showdown, a little bit of edge that I was talking about um, earlier in the preview. I think Mays does bring a bit of that. He's just he's just an interesting cat. Um, plays to the beat of his own drum, but in a in a way that is a positive team thing. He um, so I I just I just like what he's going to hopefully bring to the game as far as a little bit of class, but as well as um, not being overawed. And I think he's going to be. He's probably the right player to bring into a side that is really struggling to get uh, 
to get itself together at the moment. Um, he's just a player that'll um, play his role, and I think um, and and be a positive add to the side. I'm excited to see Jed McIntyre get his get a shot, um, especially starting the game as well. Like that. I'm trying to think from last year, did he actually start a game? Or did he, I know he was a medical sub at some point, but I just can't remember if he actually even started a game at any point. So I know he's made his debut, if if that makes sense. But I just don't think he's has he now. Not, now I'm not sure. I don't think he. I don't think he. Um, I think he has. So. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what Jed McIntyre can do as well um, in the side. Uh, and Jack, um, Jackson Mead is in the side as well. So that's cool to see. I'm happy to see him back in. Um, he's on the bench alongside um, Lockie Jones, um, Motlop and yeah, McIntyre as well. Otherwise, um, yeah, we're, look, we're, we're stri- the back line will be the right. I started talking about the back line a little bit when I was talking about their forward line. Um, it'll be interesting to see the matchup is for um, the likes of um, going with uh, Richelli and and kind of quelling a little bit of that small forward mix, um, you know, and where you know Trent McKenzie's uh, got up again. I just this is probably where my main worry is again. Beyond it, our forward line is a main worry all the time, but I'm just like that'll, that'll fucking figure it out. And like in the game, like we'll just somehow find goals and. The big thing for me is stopping. Like last week was actually stopping some of the the the, the run through the midfield and then the easy opportunities um, afforded to Hawthorne last week was a real worry. So we've got to kind of defend from the front a little bit as well as um, you know lock the supply through midfield a little bit and make the chances going in harder. But um, if we are going to leak a little bit out of the back um, or um, on the on the um, on the counter attack. We're going to need to see a little bit more out of, um, you know, Skinner, certainly. Um, you know, hopefully that last week, just he's got that out of the way. And um, and McKenzie as well, just in the one-on-ones and all that stuff. And um, it just was a poor look last week for a defense that we've, like, we've loved for the last year. And I know Aaliyah's out of it, but we don't want to sit there and we don't want to see a similar thing in our defense where Aaliyah um, being dropped out of it completely fucks the fucks the entire thing up like we've seen you know Dixon out of the forward line seems to have created just an entire structural like whatever structure was there which again I'm being quite facetious and saying I just don't think there is much structure there but I don't want to believe that a back line has a similar issue when we drop a leer out of there that everything just falls apart a little bit and everything suddenly gets easier um, these other these blokes in there Tom Jonas is obviously a captain a great Great backman. Trent McKenzie has proven in the past he's a great backman. Last last week, I think he just got caught caught out in one on ones and battled valiantly, but just with the the supply of coming in so easily for Hawthorne, uh, made it a little bit tough on him. And you know Skinner just needs to probably just lock in a little bit more and um and hopefully having played a game and had it go that badly, <laughs> you got a feel for everything uh, what's going on there at least and um. But yeah, look, I, it's not like the Crows forward line worries me more so. I worry about um, well, the Hawthorne forward line didn't bother me last week much either, and look what they did in the end. So that's where my worry is that we're just that um, if we the intensity just needs to be there to um, to really lock in and 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 stem the dis- easy supply that we saw last week coming in for Hawthorne. Which again is on our midfield and getting harder in the midfield. You know, like statistically we were good last week. Um, apparently, I don't know where. Like I just was looking at the stat sheet and was just amazed at how the touches and everything. And I, I had a quick look um, before on the like AFL rankings, and I think we're we're top four in kicks, top five in handballs, um, top four in disposals. Like, this is in the league so far. Um, top four or five in marks, hitouts. Um, I think we're eighth, obviously. Um, and so. 
just in so many statistical indicators, we are top four or five in the league, um, and we and we're bottom of the ladder, and it just shows that there's there's something missing in there, and that's the intensity and the and the structural things. The structure is the issue, and that's why we need to see a bit more of it. And that's that's midfield into like it's all facets of the field because our forward structure was shit house last week, and it has been for a long time. But then the midfield was a little bit all over the place last week, and um, just stagnating and not getting them moving the ball well enough to be able to take advantage of any opportunities. And then when when the ball was turned over, it was just too easy for um. Hawthorne to move through our midfield, so we need to see that change for this week as well, and not let. Um, so that's on the the onus is on the likes of you know I think um, Boke is top five in the league for disposal con- disposals as well. So um, you know guys like he's doing his job, but it's it's, it's an all around structure issue in the midfield in not letting the supply get through so easily. So there's a lot of things that I think um, I it's not that this Crows team worries me; it's more that I worry about what. Port team will show up because I think this Crows team has enough to beat us if we t- if we turn up like we did last week then of course they fucking will if we turn up like we did against Brisbane then we're going to be a pretty good chance of getting a win on the Crows as long as we um, continue through because I think Brisbane we turned up okay played some damn good footy um, against a good team apart from obviously forward line that still was an issue but we found goals and we defended well enough obviously Aaliyah was in that side for most of the night um. So, it's an intensity thing and a, and a, and an edge thing as much as for anything for me. And those kind of intangibles are things that coaches and the team have to find figure out. And for the last year and a half, last couple of years, actually, we've been constantly asking why is there slow starts? Why are there fade outs? Why is the intensity not there so many times? And again, that's the edge thing. That's the coaching and all those intangibles that you can't quite put on a team sheet because it's more than that. It's it's mental and all those things. So. Ultimately, what I'm trying to say after this long-winded preview is that really mentally we have to get right. And, and for a showdown, I don't think there's any excuse to not be mentally right. So that's really what it comes down to. Is these guys understanding what I was saying at the start of the game, why it's more than a game. Know your enemy. Know um, what we're playing for in the showdown, which is getting our season off to a start as well. Like, you know, the, the grand scheme of things beyond the rivalry is that we want to win premierships. And um and we want to get to the pointy end of the season playing some good footy and within a shot of it. even if we're not the best team in the league when you get into the into the finals you know teams can win it from outside the eight um outside, not they can't win it from outside the eight <laughs> they can win it from outside the top four we've seen that once in the past five six years um you can win it from by not finishing top you can win it by not being the best team in the regular season because we've finished top four times and have only won one premiership out of it so. You know, we just need to find our way into the season and a win here would be a great start. We need to find our way into the season with a win and get our season off to a good start. But beyond that, we need to show some edge and show some passion and and wanting to right the wrongs of the past couple of weeks. And there's no better opportunity to do that than um, against the the enemy, against the enemy, the Crows. Um, It'll be a great point of pride for Port fans to, after a tough couple of weeks, to be able to um, walk around with their heads held high on Saturday and say, well, fuck, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but we still beat you fuckwits. Um, That's what I want to be saying, and that's what I want the Port Adelaide coaches and players to understand, um, which I I hope they do. Like, I know a lot of the players do understand this, and their their intent, their passion can't be questioned, and their, their want and desire to win football games. I do not question that. It's just... How they how we prepare and the coaching and all that stuff is still a mystery to me at this point after the the horrible loss last week and then the end of the season last year and some of those those fade outs fade outs and 
slow starts and all that stuff has these these are the why the questions are there over the last from the last 12 18 months is these different aspects of Port Adelaide footy that have left us scratching our heads about why these things happen when we are such have proven to be such a good side at other points so those are the questions to be answered in this one um, but it's a showdown we shouldn't need to be asking questions about the intensity and stuff and I hope that tomorrow night the boys bring the intensity they bring the, the they bring the passion and, and put on a show that restores some of the trust um, you know it's going to be a long road from here you know it's kind of like the thing when when you break someone's trust it's like you know there's, there's baby steps but it's not all going to be rebuilt in one magic moment um, but a showdown win um, any you know as Tom Jonas famously said last year Showdown wins a showdown win. Fuck yeah. So, you know, if we win by one point, I'll be happy. Um, but if we can, you know, go out there and really prove a point and win in a fashion, I'd love to win in a more domineering fashion and make have it be a comfortable showdown for a change. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, and that would be even better. Um, but, you know, showdown wins a showdown win. But um, let's go out there and um, prove a point and get our season off to a start. And then look forward, um, you know, the, the first win of the season sometimes can be the hardest, especially when you've had a couple of tough losses to open it. So, um, But we started 0-2 in uh, 2002 and 2003 and still finished top of the ladder. So there's a chance to kick off the season right um, tomorrow night and get everything going. So calm the pair. There's no nothing more needed to be said um, to try to pump up the tyres um, for a game against um, the Crows. You know, beat those fucking courtroom cunts. Just beat them. Just fucking beat him. Calm it down.